Good day and welcome to the story behind the stories for the week of August 23rd. Uh, you can tell by my hair here, it's a little fall wind-blowing kind of thing going on here. Anyway, got to go visit Jaime on Saturday. I'm Ken Woodell. I'm the publisher of the Nipawa Banner and Press, and today I have with me at the far right, I have Cassandra Weron, and uh, I have Owen Devereaux with me today as well. And they've been working hard on a paper, again, another jam-packed paper. We say that often, don't we? Mm -hmm. But uh, it is a good paper. We're going to start right in with some um, a good news story that's been going on for a while. And uh, it is the new middle school for Nipawa. Cassandra, you've got a, a picture and a story. So tell us what you found out this week about the level of progress with the new school. Yes, yeah, so of course, new school has been going on for a while now. And uh, I've got an update recently from Jason Young. And uh, it was going to be set to open for the start of this school year. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do that. It's been pushed back roughly to mid-October. No official date on that yet, but it is coming along fairly nicely. I remember seeing it when it had just started and sort of a little farther along the line, maybe kind of like in the middle, and it was, it was, I wasn't too sure how it was going to come out looking, but uh, it's starting to look pretty good now. Yeah, yeah. and I, I interestingly haven't, uh, it isn't a perfect match on the bricks because you're never going to do that, but it certainly doesn't argue the two colors of bricks or the two shades of bricks certainly don't, uh, fight with each other. It looks quite attractive. It's it's a big, big addition to that yep. corner of town, eh? Oh, yeah. And again, on the front page of this week's edition of the Banner and Press, you can see an up-to-date picture, as well as uh, Cassandra's uh, information on that. And it's really impressive just to sort of take it in. And Cassandra and I were speaking on this just before we went uh, on the air here. It's just, imagine it, it was a year ago. It was just empty. It was a parking lot. And now we're at this point right now where it's nearing completion. And a year from now, it's just going to be, it's there. It's always, it's always, it'll feel like it's always been there. And that with so many other projects on the go right now, it really feels like it's just, it's all sort of coming together for Nipawa. Cool. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a big step forward. It's a lot of money uh, that, that's being invested in the community, but then there's the growth and they had no place to put all the students. So, uh, yep. Uh, interesting statistic um, I got on the weekend was that uh, uh, the building the hospital or being, building the school made me think about maybe the next project will be a hospital. 127 babies born last year at Nipawa Hospital, wow. and uh, they know that they can't handle that many. They have to keep things going here at Nipawa one way or another because they can't take that many more in the Brandon facility. Right. They said it would just flood them. So uh, anyway, it's good to see that. Our columns this week are um, uh, from Kate and I. Uh, anyway, I, I, Kate looks at consumers and the power of consumers in terms of um, influencing manufacturers, influencing retailers, suppliers. Uh, the power of buying local and uh, as usual it's uh, in-depth and well thought out about how powerful we are as consumers we think oh you got no power but collectively consumers do have a lot of power and uh, she writes pretty eloquently about that uh, on customer feedback and uh, the value of shopping local etc like that um, my column is uh, a little off beat maybe because I'm saying that there's two or three things I would really like the provincial government to do 
Um, one is I would like them to uh, phone up the federal government, tell them to take the Indian Act and stuff it where the there's a lot of deep water. Um, anyway, drown the thing because for 120, 30 years, the Indian Act has not given Canada Canadian citizens and especially First Nations people the results that they deserve or want. Uh, it's a it's a horrible piece of legislation, and um, it just needs. Every time I see an article from anywhere on the political spectrum, from First Nations groups, from political parties, whatever, they say, get rid of the Indian Act. And uh, quite frankly, I don't see the expression used very often, but sometimes you see it, and that is the Indian Act has created the Indian industry. And there's a lot of people who are very, very tied into needing that Indian Act to stay in business. It's not helping the people that it's meant to meant to work with and to help. But anyway, we'll see where that goes. Uh, then another favorite topic of mine is recycling, which has pretty much died in Manitoba, if the truth were known. Um, Multi-material stewardship Manitoba aren't going to be very happy with me. Again, I'm fully expecting a phone call or a letter from the head of that organization. I've had a few over the years. And this is where I have to differentiate from my personal opinion and our official role with Manitoba Community Newspaper Association because Community Newspaper Association is trying very hard to work out a recycling program for Newsprint. Not working. Not working at all. And uh, which is sad because there's a market for every scrap of Newsprint in Manitoba. There's a solid market for it if you just get some of the bureaucracy out of the way. So anyway, I rant on about stuff and people sometimes read it and sometimes <laughs> listen and sometimes don't. Bigger news, really, bigger news, credit union deal. Bit of a resounding vote going on in that whole deal. What did you find out about the credit union or where, do, where is that at now? Nick, go forward, right? Well, Ken, as we've talked about in uh, a few previous editions of the Nipawa Banner and Press, the amalgamation of beautiful planes and stride credit union uh, is something that is being discussed. And it appears that a very significant hurdle has been passed in regard to the membership vote. It occurred last week. Uh, the first vote occurred in Nipawa, and it was a resounding 97% approval to move forward on this. The very next night, uh, Stride membership took their vote in Portage La Prairie and in Gladstone, and it was another solid number, 96% approval to move forward on this. So it, it looks like this is most definitely a go. Uh, if you want to find out a few more details, it, it is on page two of this week's edition of the Banner and Press. I had an opportunity to speak with uh, Gord Sylvester, of course, here for Beautiful Plains, and Brett Buds, uh, the CEO for um, Stride Credit Union, someone I'm familiar with, actually, when I used to work in radio in Porges La Prairie, because he's also a counselor for the city of Porges La Prairie. So I've seen his work up close. And um, had an opportunity to sort of touch base once again with him, talking about the future plans, how they're going to amalgamate together. It's very interesting. They're going to try and make this as seamless as possible. Transition team is being put together as we speak. They're going to take the best elements of, of each. Some of the elements from Beautiful Plains, some of the elements from Stride. They're going to put them together and try and make this as seamless as possible. And Brett really focused on that. He said, we want to put in all the effort right now so that when it comes to the day, and that's January 1st, 2020, when it comes to the day where it all comes together, the customer won't even notice. 
they'll perhaps see a different sign out on the building but for the most part it's going to be pretty pretty effortless hopefully for them so they're putting in the work right now and again if you want to find out some more specific details that's on page two of this week's paper cool i think cassandra we asked you last week or the week before i think you indicated you personally aren't a credit union member is that correct Yes, I'm with the RBC. I guess it's just kind of in the family, yeah, or at no, least my immediate family that we uh, yeah. are with RBC. Um, but the, just the, the voting numbers there really show confidence uh, from the members that this will be a good thing for them. Because like th those numbers are near 100%, so that's, that's showing something really positive from everybody involved with that bank. So. Okay. When I attend um, the annual meeting for the Beautiful Plains Credit Union, which I've done, of course, many times, uh, maybe it's just because it's an annual meeting and uh, a supper and stuff like that that it tends to attract older people, but do you sense that younger people are more bank-oriented or more credit union-oriented? What, what's your sense of that? Where's the trend, do you think, or is there a trend? That's a good question. Uh, to be honest, I'm actually not really sure because uh, like I know for me of course it's just what my family has done so people are also probably doing that as well um, so yeah I'm not really too sure they could perhaps choose their own but uh, it's really hard to say on that I might be able to chime in with an opinion on this and it, and it is sort of it's not obviously the same as young people but it's an offset uh, personal experience as someone who's been in the media for about 15 years and in media in several different communities, you, you learn in the media business, you have to be ready to move at a moment's notice. Uh, if a job opportunity were to pop up tomorrow in Alberta, you have to be able to pack up and go. So a lot of people in media would think, I need to be in an institution. I can't be in a credit union in Nipawa if I'm moving to Flin Flon tomorrow. Because then they most people think that's that's going to be a little more inconvenient. But there's always an RBC in this town, so there'll be an RBC in the other town, or a Scotiabank. And I think maybe that's it for young people as well. I'm, I'm, and again, yeah. I'm just estimating that perhaps young people think, well, I'm going to move, I'm going to do this, I've got to go to university, I've got to do this for a job. I don't want to be tied down to a credit union in my community when I can get something like that, you know, nationwide. That's my guess. Yeah, interesting. I know a person who... Um, was raised here and had a credit union account here and then went and worked in several other different communities. And surprisingly enough, when they came back to work here, they said, well, I still have my account here. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if it was their everyday account or whether they just kept an account here. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes because even if it's stride with, you know, with Nipawa and Gladstone and Portage and Plumas and Austin and all the rest of them, uh, that still doesn't give you wide mobility. Like, I mean, you, yeah, you can move from Oakville to Nipawa and not change banking institutions, but you can't move from Oakville to Winnipeg and not change banking yep. institutions. So it'll be interesting how that works out. Film Festival, Mockingbird was a film that won that. Uh, I was hoping Cassandra could talk about the Film Festival. Did you go, Cassandra? Were you able to go to it at all? Actually, no, I okay. missed it, unfortunately. Well, Owen's the well, guy who was on the list here. Well, Cassandra, you are very fortunate because the films that appeared will be appearing on NAC TV on a future episode. Check it out. I'm yeah. going to shill for you a little bit here, Ken. There you go. All 12 films that were part of the film festival will be appearing on the station itself. So uh, keep an eye out for your local listings. 
God, I feel a little bit dirty now for, <laughs> for doing that uh, cell job, but well, you know. I'm, I'm a team player. There you oh, go. I think there it's pretty go. valid. I mean, it sounds like there's lots of interesting entries uh, from historical to comedic, so I'd say it's definitely something to check out. Well, I, was, I thought it was interesting because I was there for some of it, and uh, my wife and I, we combined our vote because she saw some and I saw some. And, right. And so we put our heads together. Yeah, okay, we did our voting. But I think it was 50 or 51 people voted. So that's pretty good. I mean, that's, and uh, they had, they were surprised a little bit by the uh, amount of uh, walk-up customers there was who paid to get exhibitors and patrons, sponsors all got tickets, but uh, they were still surprised by the number of tickets sold. So I think they were encouraged by that. We've got a topic this week about the history of the RCMP and Kate did up a story from the archives and based on interviews of RCMP in Nipua, which has now been 50 years. Uh, so the RCMP was in place here in Nipua, uh, replacing the town police uh, before I came to the town, which is 48 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so all I've ever known in the area is RCMP. Uh, really interesting story, some of their early uh, uh, episodes, I guess. There's a couple in there <laughs> about some guy throwing wine bottles at the police to escape arrest. Uh, uh, the um, Was it red or white? I'm not sure. Probably red. Because I think RCMP I th would be I red. I wine, think if right? it's red, I think it's a misdemeanor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, if they threw it at red wine, at least it wouldn't stain the Mounties uh, <laughs> uniform quite as badly, right? Anyway, but tying into that, of course, is uh, on the same page is the RCMP 50th Anniversary Gala coming up September 21st in support of the Beautiful Plains Community Foundation. And it's going to be a, a big uh, whoop up. Oh, no, that one, that's not right, is it? Oh, yeah. That's, well, that's, that's going way back into well, the history because the RCMP were started as Northwest Mounted yeah. Police to put down Fort Whoop Up <laughs> in Alberta. It was a booze factory is what it was. <laughs> so whoop up has special meaning for the RCMP. It's buried in their history. Well, it's, it's very interesting as well. Kate did such a wonderful job because for me, I didn't know any of this, this background. So it was really enlightening to sort of see some of it. Cassandra, uh, what was your, what was your takeaway? Well, it was interesting because of course I did cover this in uh, uh, looking back before um, but this sort of goes over some different things that I didn't get from the archive. So it's really interesting to see those different stories and maybe some of the things that uh, I missed that the archives didn't include uh, when they were covering it way back in the day. So yeah, it was just, it was really a great read and uh, I hope that the Gala Ball will be an excellent event. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are looking forward to that. It, it's unfortunately, it's not cheap. The tickets are a hundred bucks a piece, but uh, but that includes a $25 charitable donation um, receipt for the from the the uh, community foundation. And I, I think people need to realize as well: this is something special. This isn't just your regular Friday or Saturday night. This is something of historic significance. And if you do get an opportunity to attend, I think it is worthwhile. Most definitely worthwhile. Yeah. Absolutely, you only have a 50th anniversary once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, nobody, li nobody lives uh, long enough to have two of them, do they? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Riverside Cemetery. Oh, yeah. oh geez. You, I, topic, isn't I, it? I heard you personally killed off all the flowers. Is that true? I, oh, yeah. yeah. Might as well pass the buck to me. Yeah. It wasn't uh, council's fault at all. You did it, right? 
I have that power, apparently. <laughs> the power of the media. Oh, I look at flowers and they die, so I mean... <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that may not be in the loop on this, a little bit of a background here. Of course, the uh, discussion of the planting of individual flowers on individual grave sites at Riverside Cemetery has been an ongoing issue for the town of Nipawa. The cost of it, the time it takes to do something like this, it's a little extra that was added in the mid-50s and it's just, it's steamrolled from there. It's become a, to, a, to a fair degree, a very divisive issue in the town of Nipawa as well. Many people want the flowers to remain being planted on these individual sites but the cost to the community is over what they're bringing in for it essentially because um, the average ratepayer the average taxpayer in Nipawal whether they have family or whether they plan to be uh, buried at Riverside are paying about $75 per hundred thousand dollars of their home's value whether they get it or not they're filling in those blanks for people so both sides are very entrenched and the decision was made, and it was a difficult decision for council. This is not something that they took lightly. They gave third reading to it. They've decided to move on from this portion of the perpetual care program. Because again, people don't seem to realize this is an addendum. This was an extra that was put on. With this removed, they still fill technically and legally their requirements for perpetual care at the graveyard. So. We're going to see how this plays out. They have some big plans. They're going to be rolling out in the spring, hopefully in terms of more permanent memorials in and around there. So it's going to be very interesting to see what type of plan blossoms from this. You see what I did there? Wow, yeah, that was pretty sneaky. Well, you know, the, um, I see both sides of it, and it's interesting. Now that it's passed, we've had a little bit more coming in. So watch probably next week's Nipawa banner for uh, a bit of an announcement from uh, some opposition to this whole thing and uh, I understand where they're coming from but I also fully understand where the council's coming from uh, actually you were a little low you're seventy nine dollars and four cents per hundred thousand ah, okay. but so if you round that off to eighty bucks per hundred thousand that means a lot of people in Nipawa are paying eighty to a hundred and sixty dollars a year for the what they call them, not the, it's not a deficit, but the shortfall yeah. at, at the cemetery. And I, I think if you were to take a vote on it, it would vote, you wouldn't get the numbers the credit union got, but you'd get a very high vote against it, I think, right now. Uh, that said, there still seems to be, there's an aura of um, liability there because of the you know, contractual liability. That I, the lawyers say that they're clear, and I, I hope they're getting good legal advice on that one. But anyway, whatever. Yep. Um, council update. Council, what is council up to otherwise? They've, you've got, you said yep. right here, it says council update Owen. Oh, wow. I was, I was really busy this week. I, I earned well, my, see that. Everything, I earned my keep this every, week. Everything on the list is you. <laughs> but we're going to finish with Cassandra when we get to that point. Yeah, the, the, she, cool, the cool stories the, and the, the front page stories are Cassandra. Yeah, exactly. I'm just the filler in between. Yeah. yeah. But uh, just very quickly, a few items maybe of note for some people. Mobile home fees in Nipawa are going to have a slight increase from 2019 to 2020. 
Don't worry though, it's only a little bit. On average, for, for a home, they pay about a, a rental fee of about $87.16 per month. It's going to be going up to $87.90. Like I said, it's, it's not much. It's the cost of living as it increases gradually over the years. A few other items in the council store you can check out. Uh, another business has been approved for the storefront improvement program which has gone over like gangbusters this year. It's wonderful to see so many businesses in the core that are taking part in that program. Uh, as well, some road work happening, some sidewalk improvements, and some drainage work going on in Nipawa. So it's, uh, these types of things, they're not glamorous, they're not sexy, but these are the things that keep a community moving forward. So if you want to check that out, it's on uh, page 10 along with the gravesite story. So hopefully you'll take a moment and check it out. Oh, and on page 11, I see you. If you'd moved over about three feet, you would have got shot. I, this is what I do. I put my life on the line there's a picture, to bring you the news. There's a picture here of Owen standing just about in front of a bow and arrow and a very determined looking lady drawing bead on him, I think. Once again, I put my life on the line to bring you the news. It's, it's really just, it's really silly, actually, now that you think about it. But <laughs> Did she miss you? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, April uh, Willis was the uh, member of the bow hunters that uh, got that shot. She's very professional. She knows what she's doing with the bow and arrow. So uh, actually all the members of the bow hunters do. They had their annual 3D outdoor classic competition last weekend in Nipawa. Uh, it's an archery event in which they shoot at uh, three-dimensional sort of plastic molds of animals like bears, foxes, things like that out in the, in the wild. Um, so it, it's a great competition. I've covered it several years. It's always fun to be able to go out there and, and check things out, especially with the winter, the way things went for the bow hunters with the theft of a lot of their equipment. Oh, wow. it was terrible. This was the first major competition they've been able to host since then, and it shows that they've come back bigger, better than ever. That's on page 11, uh, the sports page, for this week's edition. Is there any truth to the rumor that some of the targets that they use in the bow hunters are actually Santa's reindeer from the Christmas float? <laughs> <laughs> I heard I, that one time. I don't know. The next time I cover the, the parade, I'm going to have to get a little closer up to Santa's float there and just look for the puncture marks. <laughs> Maybe that's why we have a nighttime parade now. <laughs> yeah. I heard that rumor one time. Anyway, tell us about Riley Newfeld. What's he up to? We're going to rally through a couple of these stories real quick. Riley Newfeld, a member of Team Manitoba at the Western Canada Summer Games, which recently took place in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. He ended up uh, being part of a relay team, and uh, their team brought home a pair of medals um, combined uh, in the medley relay and the 4x400 relay. He was a member of Team Manitoba. They won gold on both of those. Very commendable. He's a member of uh, Prairie Storm Athletics as well. It seems like every week we end up talking about that uh, club and some of its membership because they're just, they're just so darn good. They just keep winning medals. Yeah. So uh, I commend them. Very good and great for Riley. Um, track and field season is starting to wind down now. So this is probably the last major competition until next year. So congratulations. Cool. And then the Blue Dolphins, they had a big swim meet. You know uh, what? Places, this paper's full of news. Y you know, during like, this time of year, 
this is the story behind the stories. There's so much time and effort to get all the names, numbers, and all that from all the track and field athletes in their competitions. It's a time-consuming process, and I thought I was done with it. I was, oh, thank God. That's so tedious sometimes. It's, oh, thank goodness. But then I got the Blue Dolphins and their competition. So then you've got to go through a dozen pages of that to get all the different names, all the different... Cassandra, you've done that. You've did that once, so yes, you know I've, what I'm talking about. I've given a hand. It's quite a, quite a bit there that you got to go and yeah. sift through, so... So please take a moment and go through the names because you can't believe how much time and effort it takes <laughs> to get that on the page. Just just go through it to... to <laughs> <laughs> it'll make it'll, it'll make these folks feel a lot better, yeah. yeah. Knowing that you're reading it all, yeah. So, Kate's not here, so we can talk hockey, right? All right. Okay, yes. we can talk. We're safe to talk hockey. Uh, this we week. talk hockey. Okay, go ahead. But we're gonna do it very quickly because we're gonna be talking a lot more hockey next week once training camp starts, and of course the Nipah Natives Annual General Meeting. Uh, but this week, a couple things of note. Uh, formally, uh, Matt Lowry, who served as a skills coach for the Nipua Natives last year, is upgrading his, uh, his profile on the team. will be serving as an assistant coach, along with Robbie Moore, will be assisting uh, general manager and head coach Ken Pearson moving forward. Uh, that's a really good pickup for the team. His skill, his ability, his experience in the American Hockey League and in Europe is going to be a big get for this team. And one other thing, literally, Five minutes before the deadline, this came across my desk. So the last five minutes, I was scrambling to find space for this on the page. Uh, Kate was also helping me out with that, moving things around. A blockbuster, in my opinion, deal between the Portage Terriers and the Nipawan Natives. A trade made that will see the Natives acquire uh, the playing rights to uh, Ethan Peterson, Riley Funk, and future considerations for in exchange for uh, Mackenzie Belinsky. Min Mackenzie was a former first number one draft pick in the MJHL Bantam draft. He's been with the Natives for a couple years, was their leading scorer last year. Funk, uh, a prolific scorer with the Terriers last year. Peterson, very solid goaltender. So this is very interesting. You, you see trades all the time, but with these are big names, both for Portage and for Nipawa. So it's very interesting to see this. Cool. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds because I think everybody's sitting around thinking right now, uh, how is this all going to work out here with uh, looking at the the veterans and the new guys and the trades now? And, uh, I'm pretty sure that Kenny Pearson has a master plan in there somewhere, but and again, he's not telling anybody what it is yet. And again, you almost think, what veterans? You're going to need a scorecard to figure out all these names because he has wiped the slate clean. It's going to be a whole new team, a whole new sort of interesting sort of thing to see this year. Well, I know he was questioned on that by somebody uh, a little while ago, and he just went, guys, you won nine games last year. Nobody's job secure. Yeah. That's pretty simple. Farmery Brewery, they yes. got some awards. Cassandra, you're on. You are, you are a brew expert this week. I get to wrap up the episode, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, but yeah, Farmery Brewery, of course, Nipah Star Attraction, and even bigger, Manitoba. Uh, but they submitted entries to the World Beer Awards, and the results came back. They were notified on August 8th of the results. And 
for their entries uh, in the Belgian style wheat beer category and in the light category, their northern light lager was entered into that. The Belgian style got a silver medal and the northern light got a bronze. And that, of course, is really significant because it's on international level. Yep. Uh, so kudos to them, like they're making it work and they're really, really impressed by the results. And it's, uh, I was talking to Lawrence there, he said it was really affirming of the quality of their product that can compete on an international stage. So Nipwa, the farmery team, they should really all be proud of this. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And they made some changes out there this year that were, uh, like last year they had a big tent and you could go out and, you know, have their beer and, and uh, fish fry, etc. Um, but they've changed that this year. You can still, if it's a nice day, sit outside. But if it's windy or rainy or too hot or too cold, they've got a nice area set up inside. And so they can take a few people at a time, three or four tables, big tables, picnic tables. Really good. And that reminds me, just as we wind up the program, that on uh, the 29th, we're going to have a fish fry out there with the Nipah natives. And uh, people will get a chance to uh, try out their, uh, if they haven't done so already, to try out the new beer and to try out uh, their very excellent uh, fish and chips that they serve there. So close to the end of our time here, folks. So thank you for being with us. I'm Ken Waddell, publisher of the Nipawa Banner and Press. And if you want to get a hold of us, contact us in any way for news. Just uh, email news at nipawabanner.com or advertising ads at nipawabanner.com. Uh, but more likely you will phone us at 204-476-3401. Uh, with a news tip or advertising or uh, a column or an opinion, whatever you would like, submitted photo, anything like that, we'd be happy to hear from you. So on behalf of Cassandra Werhan and uh, Owen Devereaux, I'm Ken Waddell. Thank you for being with us, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you very much.